Okay, hello everybody and welcome to Investing with IBD for July 31st, 2019. I'm your host, Arusha Pierce, and with me in the studio today is Ivanhoff, a longtime swing trader, author of many swing trading books, and one of the founders of MarketWisdom.com. Thanks for being here, Ivan. Uh, thanks, Arusha. I'm glad to be here. Longtime uh, reader and user of IBD and MarketSmith. So. Excellent. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about the current market, IPOs, and then we will get into a few current stocks. But before we get started, Ivan, let's go over how you got into investing. Oh, I was born and raised in Bulgaria, and uh, at the time, the stock culture uh, didn't really exist. So, yeah. And I remember there was a computer magazine that I would buy once a month, and it had two pages dedicated to tech stocks. So those were my initial steps. Later, I opened an account and uh, I bought a few stocks on the Bulgarian uh, stock market, which did really well in the mid-2000s. How old were you when you, uh, when you bought those uh, first stocks in Bulgaria? 19. 19? Okay. Yeah. And, and then after that, you, you, came, you came to the U.S. I, for, for college? Yeah. Or, okay. So I came to the U.S. to study finance. Didn't learn. I'm sure you learned a lot. Didn't learn a lot right? about no. the stock market there, but uh, nevertheless, I did it. Um, and I don't expect my, uh, you know, student loans to be paid back. You know, I, I paid for, <laughs> from my own pocket. Um, and here I just started reading everything I can uh, get my hands on. Yeah. Uh, I read William O'Neill's book. I read uh, Jesse Livermore, like probably 20 different books on the stock market. And I also started reading online. And by chance, I found there at the time there used to be a YouTube show called Wall Street uh, uh, founded by uh, Howard Linson, mm -hmm. and he um, talked about stocks breaking out to your all-time highs, and he would explain the catalyst behind the move in a very simple way, so I can, so anyone can understand it. And it appealed to me a lot, so I started reading his website on a daily basis and started leaving a lot of comments, and then we just uh, that's base. And later, you know, I, I met Howard. Yeah. And I learned a lot from him. So he's he's a great investor as well. That's awesome. And and then you, you started a company together, right? Marketwisdom.com. Yeah, later later in 20, 2013, yes, we, we founded the website and uh, we teach people how to uh, how to pick stocks, how to manage risk. Oh, I'm the, the the two key steps to being a successful stock trader for sure. Now, uh, for those who are, who are new to investing, any advice for them on, on how to get started? I believe you should try different approaches because you never know which approach will be the right one for you. Uh, some people might be amazing intraday momentum scalpers. Other people might be great analysts and they might do better just buying long-term uh, stocks on big pullbacks. Other people will be great uh, position traders mm -hmm. using options. So I think you need to try several different approaches and read a lot on the subject before you figure out what what will work for you. And it's a steep learning curve. Like most people go into trading uh, undercapitalized mm -hmm. and with very um, unreasonable expectations. And there is a quote from Bill Gates that I like uh, that is very suitable in this case. And he says, uh, people um, overestimate what they can achieve in a year and underestimate what they can achieve in 10 years. Right. And it, the same applies for the stock market. Like, don't expect that you will be extremely profitable immediately. Just give yourself some time and it'll take time until you find the right approach for you. 
Yeah, and, uh, and for most people, it will be one of the more challenging things that they've ever tried because you're gonna be wrong a lot. Absolutely. It, right, and yeah. you have to learn to accept that and that you're gonna make plenty of mistakes and you have to learn from them. And, and a lot of times looking back at your mistakes and learning from them is the hardest thing to do. So that's um, some great advice right there. Well, you, you can learn a lot from your mistakes. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that you won't repeat them, right? Yes. Because there's something <laughs> called, called empathy gap. <laughs> like you might think that you already learned your lesson, but then in the heat of the moment, you might repeat it, especially if your willpower is depleted. Let's say if you didn't have a good night of sleep, yep. you're tired for different reasons, you might just keep repeating like different versions of the same mistakes. And you know, that's why that industry is it's not it's not easy. <laughs> no, not not at all. And, and yeah, and and state managing your state and uh, your mentality is everything. Um, so let's get into the current market. And right now, the market continues to be an uptrend. Uh, we have uh, at, starting today. We had three distribution days on the Nasdaq, five on the S and P five hundred. But it looks like we're going to get another distribution day after uh, today with uh, with the Fed reporting. Uh, but leading stocks, they continue to hang in there. We're, we're going through the kind of that summer months uh, period. Uh, now, we're in earnings season too, right? So, uh, you know, what, what are you seeing in the markets? What, what are your thoughts? Well, from a macro perspective, we are still in an environment of extremely low interest rates, even negative interest rates, which is, of course, is favorable for stocks. And this is why I continue to think that dips and pullbacks will continue to be welcomed as a buying opportunities. Uh, from a swing trading perspective, with all the major indices closing below, below their 20-day uh, EMA, uh, you, might need, you might need to be a little bit careful mm. you know, on the long side. Um, in general, we are still in a bull market, and bull markets are low correlations markets of stocks. That means that for the next couple months, we might see, let's see, let's say the S&P 500 uh, staying in a tight 5% range, while in the meantime, you have select sectors that go up 10, 15% and other sectors go down 10, 15%. You know, this is why it's called market of stocks. There's very low correlation. And um, in the bull market, there are opportunities for both bulls and bears. You know. And and uh, what, what do you think about diversification during bull markets and, uh, and bear markets? I think most people overestimate diversification in a bear market, just because in a bear market, correlations in stocks is very high, and most stocks go down regardless of their individual merits, or they just move together. Like they can go down 20, 30% in a month and then go up together 10, 50%. While in a bull market, we have very low correlations between stocks, and stocks are just moving based on their individual characteristics. So that's why stock picking matters a lot more in a bull market. That's and, true. And therefore, diversification is more important because if you put all your money, let's say, in, in two stocks from the same sector, that sector might be the only one that doesn't do well in that bull market. Well, if you diversify and own you know, seven, eight momentum leaders from various sectors, like you're very likely to, to do well. Yeah, and, and, you'll, and you'll have that rotation from one one sector to oh, another. Oh yeah, we, we see that constant rotation even, even this week. Look at what's going on like in semiconductors and, and some of the software names, they're pulling back this week. Uh, and then in the same time, we see energy and biotech uh, starting to perk up while they were weak the previous couple of weeks. So we see that constant rotation constantly happening. And 
That, that's why I mean, boom market seems easy only in, only in hindsight. <laughs> I know, I know, it's true. <laughs> it is, it is so true. So now we're we're in the middle of earnings season, uh, and so we've had we've had a number of we've a couple of weeks into this. So there there have been a number of big names that are reported already. What what are your thoughts on on some of the reactions right now that that you're seeing on earnings season? So far, mostly favorable, and um, I pay very special attention to how the market reacts to earnings. Mm-hmm. Just because for me, this is the ultimate indicator of risk appetite right. and sentiment. And as we know, sentiment is what drives prices in a short-term perspective. Like earnings and sales growth is what drives them in longer term. Yep. But in short term, we're talking weeks, maybe a month or so. It's all about sentiment. And currently, we are seeing a healthy risk appetite. We, we continue to see deep buyers coming in and um, buying momentum stocks near their 50-day moving averages. Uh, I mean, there have been a few hiccups, like you know, PayPal and stuff, but this is normal. Yep. So. And and speaking of today, with the the Fed coming out, lowering interest rates a little bit, but also saying that hey, we're not going to guarantee anymore. You know, we're going to take it as it is, and of course, the market getting really volatile. Any thoughts on that with, with the with the condition of the interest rates or where the interest well, rates are right now? That rate cut was already baked in. Right. It was already discounted, and but the market was hoping probably for for better guidance for the Fed to say, oh, we will continue to lower interest rates, you know, three more times for the rest of the year, let's say. Yeah. But of course the Fed is not gonna say that and they will wait for a feedback from the economy, which continues to be to be strong so far. So Yeah, and and yeah, I mean it's unusual with the the market being only a few percent from all time highs. To get for the cut. Fed, <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, but it seems like that—that's kind of the the way things work these days. Well, it, it seems the the central banks uh, around the world are just competing who ha- who will have the lowest interest rate, right. and, and of course that's positive for stocks as an asset class. Yep. So in general. So so in this kind of environment, dip buyers, you're probably going to continue to uh, see them. Yeah, I think they will continue to dominate the tape, and. Um, I mean, we're entering into a seasonally weak uh, period for the market. August and September in right. the past 10 years have been uh, weak for the stock market in general. And this is why I think people should pay attention to how momentum leaders handle any eventual pullback in the averages. Because it was, if we see what we saw in May, when Russell 2000 and S&P uh, dropped you know, 5-10%, mm-hmm. but then many momentum leaders just built new bases, they just went sideways. Uh, I think this is an indication that that pullback is viable. It's a buying opportunity. But if we see momentum stocks all of a sudden starting to have many distribution days and breaking and closing below their 200-day uh, moving averages, then that would be a sign of uh, that you might need to be more careful and uh, probably raise uh, cash or just find a way to hedge. Exactly, yeah. So those key support areas, especially like a 200-day, that that's always going to be one of the clues. So the market continues to be an uptrend, but remember we're in earnings season and you want to make sure you know when your stocks are reporting earnings. You want to find out the hard way that they reported last night and now you're, you're caught in a big gap down. Uh, let's take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to talk about IPOs and discuss if the IPO market is broken. And during the break, we are going to have a quick preview of Alyssa Corum's new show, Investing Strategies. So stay tuned. Hey, everyone. 
everyone, it's Alyssa Quorum with Investors Business Daily here, and I want to tell you all about our new series, Investing Strategies with IBD at NASDAQ, where we're coming to you each week from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Our show is all about helping investors make smarter decisions with their money by providing actionable insights. We'll analyze current market conditions through IBD's proven market timing perspective. We'll have analysts sharing the inside scoop on the hottest growth stocks from top performing sectors. We'll walk you through the best tactics for buying and selling top stocks and ETFs to give you an edge with your investments. And we'll get the latest strategic insights from trending companies straight from the executives themselves. So make sure to join us on August 5th for the first episode of Investing Strategies. We're back with Ivan Hoff on Investing with IBD. So Ivan, let's get down to it. Is the IPO market broken? Oh, yes and no, <laughs> basically. I mean, uh, for sure, companies are going public nowadays much later in their uh, growth cycle. Yeah. Uh, most likely, we, we'll never see again cases like Cisco and Microsoft that went up a hundred, several hundred times post their IPO. But in the meantime, we continue to see some extremely strong IPOs like Twilio and Shopify. We still see companies that go up five times, 10 times post their IPO prices. Mm -hmm. So. After uh, Surveillance and Oxley, for sure, it made going public a lot more expensive, but that doesn't mean that you cannot make money uh, buying new uh, stocks and trading new stocks. Yeah, it, it, it definitely made the going IPO a lot more expensive. And also, there's other alternatives, too, for a lot of these uh, younger companies. They have the whole VC, the whole VC companies out there to pro provide them money. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the low and negative interest rates world have created a ginormous venture capital market. And there are so many other financing opportunities for um, for private companies to remain private longer. But now that in the past couple of years, uh, we saw so many um, good examples of company going public and receiving a lot higher valuation from public markets. I think more and more companies will desire to go public because it, there are so many benefits of, of being public. And, and what are some of those benefits to, to what, why they want to go public? Well, for, for example, uh, you can get a lot higher valuation from the public market in some cases, not always. It just depends when you, when you, when you go uh, public. Uh, we need to time it right. For example, this year, any company that was related to cybersecurity received an insane valuation from the stock market. Or right now, if you're in the business of making plant-based protein, I think now, now it's a good time to go public as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, of course, some of the other, uh, I mean, you get a lot of free publicity. Mm -hmm. Like We can talk about Beyond Meat a little bit. I mean, right. before they went public, I had no idea that that company exists. And they went public, I got acquainted with their stock, and all of a sudden, I started seeing and noticing their products everywhere. Yep. And all of a sudden, you're, you're starting wondering, oh, maybe I should try their product. Uh, and, and, and you tried it? No, not yet. Okay. But... I mean, I, re I read the, all the ingredients and I kind of, yeah. that kind of stopped me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've, I've tried it, I've, I've, I've had a number of them. It's not bad, it, it, they're getting closer to-, to Taste-wise? Um, yeah, yeah, versus kind of like the veggie burgers and the Boca burgers out there, they're definitely closer. 
but uh, they're not there yet. But uh, it, it was, it, it's not bad. Well, I, li- I like to call that those products uh, biotech edibles. So maybe it'll be a, a huge <laughs> yes. new industry that That's we'll true. just see grow from here. Yeah, it's totally possible. And and okay, so why why are uh, and why do IPOs why do they move so much? You, you had a really good explanation for this. Yeah. Uh, so so anytime you trade, I think you need to look for uh, imbalance between supply and demand. And in case of new IPOs, investment bankers artificially create um, very low supply because they only release a small percentage of the outstanding shares of each company, usually mm-hmm. about 20, 25% of the outstanding shares. And, and this is called a float. Mm-hmm. This is what's available for the public to trade. And when you, say, when you have a hot market, when you have a situation where a company belongs to a really strong industry and it has, um, and is growing very quickly, you have demand from hedge funds, mutual funds, uh, you know, speculators that will pile in and they will buy that stock. And, and when you have on the other side that low supply, then you can see that uh, those stocks go up uh, very quickly. Yeah, yeah, that that low float, that low supply, that turnover. Can, it's can, a double-edged sword, that yeah, because yeah. that same low float, it's you true. know, if that company goes public, let's say like a month or so before a correction, you can see like a significant, like 50, 80 uh, percent pullback in that stock. Well, it's amazing because a lot of these IPOs, and you can go and if you look on the market Smith charts and pull up number of the recent IPOs over the last year or two, you'll see some that are rocket ships. And but you'll see a lot more that have just plummeted, and and they're done for. Um, so it, it's amazing the the the, the IPO market and, and just IPO stocks in general. It, it seems to me, and this is just me, just from my experience, uh, like maybe one out of fifteen are the those rocket ships. A lot of these other ones, either they they really get taken out to the woodshed or. They just kind of go sideways for a number of years until they can really prove themselves. Well, they they all go public at usually at very high valuation. Yes, uh, usually a valuation that they cannot get in the private markets. I mean, there's some very rare exception, you know, like Lyft companies that are like really widely followed. Yeah, and Facebook mm-hmm. back in the time, but as a general rule of thumb, they go public at a very high valuation, and then if the float is 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 very small and there is a huge demand, the valuation even gets expanded even more in the first month or so yeah which attracts a, a lot of short sell, a lot of short sellers you know mm-hmm. and and now speaking of short selling uh, what do you think about shorting IPOs well it depends when I mean, <laughs> you, you, <laughs> that's a good answer usually usually in the bull market and if it's a ho- really hot IPO that that's not a good idea because uh, it's really hard to time a top in a hot IPO or a hot stock in general right and um, I mean, let, let's talk about Beyond Meat a little bit more. I mean, um, I know a, a friend of mine, you know, a couple months ago, no, even less than, he tweeted me that he wanted to, he sold a put option of Beyond Meat, like $80 strike for September uh, because he thought that it's overvalued. I said, you know, that's a very dangerous thing you're doing. I think yeah. at least you should cap your potential losses with the put spread because right. Beyond Meat could easily do what Tilray did last year when it went from 30 to 300 in six weeks. Yeah. And yes, you might be right in September and October when your put expires, but in the meantime, you might not have a chance to uh, to see yourself being right because yeah. you might be squeezed out of your position. Seriously. So it, it's really important how you structure how you structure those uh, those shorts. 
What about the best time to trade IPOs and, and when to trade them? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, the two best market environments to, uh, to buy uh, recent IPOs are either a really hot bull market, like we're currently in one, mm -hmm. or right after a significant market pullback. Because we talked about how uh, IPOs, uh, in the first six months of their existence, they trade a really sm uh, small float. And as a result, they're very volatile. So during correction, those many of those issues get hit pretty hard. I mean, they can go down 50, 80, 90%. Yeah. Uh, for example, look at last year and the Chinese, the Chinese Netflix, IQ. I mean, they gave up all their profit. They went down 80, 90%. But then in the initial stage of the recovery, you know, I know that many people who, who read IBD uh, think that the best performing, the stock that held the best during the correction, usually the best performance mm -hmm. in the initial stage of the recovery. But that's not necessarily true. I, actually, if you look at the statistics, usually the best performing stocks are the ones that were hit the worst. And usually the ones that get hit the worst are recent IPOs. So that same example, IQ, I mean, they doubled in the first couple of months uh, this year, mm -hmm. January, February, uh, when the market bounced. So it's a good idea to keep an eye on liquid IPOs that were that got hit really bad during a correction because they are very likely to be among the best performers in, in that initial upstage, like in, month in the or first, two. Yeah, the month or two, okay. Yeah. And what about trading them? Uh, do you look for anything technically uh, when trading IPOs? Well, I would like to see some times, uh, some form of range contraction because okay. usually from range contraction, you see ra range expansion, especially if it's near uh, all-time highs. I mean, okay. it's good to see some form of base uh, forming and and if, if we see a, a recent IPO that is gapping up after strong earnings that's even better because now you have two strong catalysts uh, that are working for you you have an earnings surprise and a favorable market reaction to that earnings surprise you have new all-time highs and you have recent IPO which usually means a small float and mm -hmm. that's therefore um, small supply and then that earnings breakout is is bringing a whole new set of buyers and, and moving averages, are you, are you look, using any yeah. particular moving averages for this? Well, well we, for strong momentum stocks, uh, I look for, you know, there, for pullbacks to uh, rising 10 and 20 day uh, exponential moving average and see how the, the stocks react uh, around them. If I see them bounce, bouncing near them or just revamping them, yeah, uh, that's usually a, a decent uh, buy signal, at least for a, for a short term swing trade. Yep. And now we've been, we've been talking about these stocks going through the roof, like like Beyond or, or even a, a last year with Tilray. But we have to talk about risk management because in the end, it's always about risk management. So how do you handle some of these? How how do you manage your risk with some of these IPOs? Yeah, I typically risk between half and one percent of my capital. And let's say let's say if you manage a hundred thousand yeah. dollars, one one percent risk mean, means that you're risking one thousand dollars per idea. Mm -hmm. So if you buy a stock at 100 with a stop at 95, that means you're risking $5 per share. So you divide that 1,000, no, 1% 1 risk by five to get the number of shares that you can afford to buy, which is 200 in this case. Mm -hmm. So in this case, you have a 20% capital allocation. And uh, now, are any other characteristics that you look for in IPOs, a uh, particular price or story or things like that? Well, the, the, the number one... Uh, criteria is, is the market currently hot or is it recovering right. from, a, from a correction? And the second one, does it belong to a currently hot industry? Mm. Now, these are the two most important criteria. Of course, if, it, if it's growing fast, if it's growing earnings and sales, 
and sales fast, that's also, it's helpful uh, for the sustainability of, of the story and of the trend. But industry momentum is what it is the most important uh, criteria that I look for. And, and so even with, uh, and when you're in the stock, you're always looking for feedback, right? You're always looking for feedback from the market to tell you whether you're right or, uh, you know, or, or we, if the industry is doing well. Yeah, I mean, well, in general, the market is a, is a forward-looking mechanism, which means that it will discount usually six to 12 months ahead. And sometimes it will discount events that will never happen. Right. But that's irrelevant because the stock, you know, can double and triple while we're waiting for, for a confirmation uh, from the company. So the market tries to discount the future, but it doesn't do that forever and blindly. Like it's constantly waiting for a feedback from the company. And that feedback usually comes during earnings season when the company, uh, you know, s shows if they're growing their earnings and sales uh, at a manner that is expected or exceeds market expectations. And at the moment that company misses those expectations, we see very quickly uh, the markets adjusting itself and we see some significant pullbacks in those uh, momentum stocks. Yeah, unfortunately, sometimes, especially when they do it on earnings, if they're adjusting that, they do it very quickly <laughs> in, in the form of a really big gap down on that. Uh, so let's take a quick break. But remember, IPOs, they are the new merchandise that are coming to the market. So you always want to pay attention to them. And every year, there are always going to be a few IPOs that do well. But you want to manage your risk because it always seems, at least to me, that there are a lot more that get into trouble. Uh, coming up next, we will take the IPO discussion to the next level and talk about a coffee company that is trying to challenge Starbucks in China. Stay tuned. Are you on the hunt for your next big trade? Start investing like a market shark with MarketSmith, IBD's most powerful stock research platform. You'll get a frenzy of stock ideas from the Growth 250. You'll see premium charts that are swarming with technical and fundamental data. Best of all, you will see when to hook the big ones with our pattern recognition technology. This week, you can try four weeks of MarketSmith for only $29.95. This is $120 off the regular price. Go to Investors.com slash SharkSale to get started. Ivan Hoff is our guest on investing with IBD. So Ivan, let's go into some current stocks and we're gonna stick with the theme on IPOs here. And the first stock is one that we already talked about a little bit, but it's definitely the hot stock of the last few months, Beyond Meat, ticker symbol B-Y-N-D. So these guys, they're, they're doing the meatless burgers, meatless sausage, I think they're also doing a meatless steak. I think they've been working on that. They're, they're working on a meatless bacon. Okay, okay. And, a, and a meatless bacon. Uh, they just had a secondary. Uh, they just reported earnings. Uh, and uh, with the, they have great, great, great sales. And obviously, they are the, the stock that everyone is talking about because they've gone from like $50 over to, at one point, they were over uh, $200. Yeah, uh, close to... Um Two fifty, right? Two, yeah, two thirty nine or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, so they they've gone on this great great run. Uh, what what are you seeing uh, with these guys right now? Well, looking at their charts, they haven't even closed below their uh, twenty day exponential moving average. This is how strong they are. Even yeah. after announcing that secondary offering, which we we still don't know the price uh, for it. But 
secondary offerings are not always bad because they're a form of like organized distributions because those people, insiders, they were going to sell their stock anyway uh, after lockup expiration. So if we, if, if we see a, a good price for that secondary offering, we might actually see beyond uh, meet rally mm -hmm. after it. And of course, by any means, its valuation is super stretched, so it's a stock that is dangerous to hold long-term, but it's, it's amazing for, uh, for speculators and for short-term traders. Usually stocks that have very stretched valuation, you know, they attract a lot of short sellers. Yeah. And we know that today's short sellers are tomorrow buyers because at some point they need to they need to purchase back their shares. Right. And the question is, are they going to do it voluntarily, you know, making a profit, or are they going to be forced to cover their position and therefore adding fuel to the upside momentum? And this is one of the major reasons we saw uh, Beyond Meat doing so well this year because there were many eager short sellers who shorted for fundamental reasons. But in a short-term perspective, the fundamentals don't matter that much. Right. All it matters is just supply and demand, which in this case, there is a huge imbalance because of the limited supply. And, and then we, we, we see a significant demand for various reasons. Some people buy just because there are a lot of short sellers and they want to squeeze them. Other people buy because Beyond Meat continues to show amazing growth. They, they keep signing new and new deals yeah. and they keep showing, uh, they keep tripling and quadrupling their sales growth. Yeah. Like, it's uh, it's amazing how often I see uh, short sellers come in to really a lot of the stocks that are going to come on our radar you know, with that momentum and how often they get run over too and badly run over because uh, they don't realize how strong the market they're in or how strong technically the stock is and that there's just a lot of buyers out there. I think one of the best things that can happen to you is after your stock break out to new 52 week high, yeah. if you if you get a lot of people telling you that you're wrong for valuation or so reasons. Because if everyone agrees with you, most likely that trend is already over. Right. So, it's, so it's you're in a lot better position when the price is with you, but uh, people's opinion is not. It's true, yeah, being the contrarian and, and having a lot of non-believers. Yeah, momentum yeah. investing is actually a contrarian approach. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. I know sometimes we forget that. I know especially people who listen to the podcast, we are still a small niche within this larger uh, market. And uh, yeah, so in many ways, we yeah, we, we are a contrarian. Uh, but uh, we, we're going to listen to the market, unlike many of these short sellers, unfortunately for them, uh, they've, they've, eventually they'll be right. Yeah, eventually, but, uh, absolutely. And in, in the case of Beyond Meat, I think when we start seeing other companies in that same niche, like plant-based uh, meat yeah. going public, and I'm, I'm sure we'll see them, at, at least a couple of them, I think they're already getting calls from Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley you know, to, to go public, and they would be crazy if they don't. Yeah. Uh, at some point, the investment banks will print <laughs> all the shares that you can imagine and that supply will overwhelm uh, uh, the current demand. Exactly. So um, so wh when, you s when you see Beyond Meat missing estimates, let's say sales estimate let or decelerating instead of growing, uh, instead of tripling and quadrupling, let's say they only double their sales. Mm -hmm. And when you see that negative market reaction where it would send the stock below its 50 day, I think that would be the time to, um, to watch the stock for a short. Yep. Yep, exactly, because those are a critical sell signal when they break below the 50-day and heavy volume. Now, Beyond Meat right now, as it is, it's in a very, very strong uptrend. 
if you're looking to get into the stock, you want to keep you want to stick to the basics. You want to let the stock build a base, break out of a base, and so you can manage your risk. Uh, but right now, this is a stock you just keep on your radar, and it's a stock you go back and try to learn from too, right? Because it's a it's just a good example of of the trend is your friend. <laughs> it can exactly. go a lot longer than you can ever imagine. Uh, so let's go to the second stock, and and this is an interesting uh, company right here. This is um, LK, and it's a Chinese coffee. Luckin Coffee. Yep, L- Luckin Coffee. There you go. Uh, and uh, yeah, so they're a new Chinese company, and what they've they've only been around like for a couple of years. Yes, or so. it was founded in 2017, and look at them now. Yeah, they're and they have over 2,000 stores already in China. Exactly, they're the second biggest coffee ch- coffee chain in China after Starbucks. And you know, on a side note, many people are wondering why Starbucks is doing so well. Well, China is the main reason because they're opening 600 new stores in China. Yeah. Well, Luckin Coffee is expected to open another 2,500 stores by the end of the year, so they will become number one in China. And what's interesting about the the coffee story in China is that uh, the Chinese consume only three cups of coffee per year per capita, and compare that that to the U.S., where the average American consumes more than 360 coffees a year. So we're talking about a humongous difference. You know, people in China prefer tea. Yep. But the younger generation, millennials and and uh, Z generation, they're starting to drink more and more coffee. So I think we might might continue to see tremendous growth in that industry. So there is a major macro reason, uh, major macro win behind uh, Starbucks and Luckin Coffee. And of course, of course, Luckin Coffee is selling their their products at 25 to 50 percent discount to Starbucks, so they can um, get more users. Uh, mostly younger because currently in China, coffee drinking coffee is considered like a status symbol. Okay, yeah. So it's so only people that are better off, well off, mm-hmm. uh, uh, drink it. And Luckin Coffee is is, uh, is trying to democratize that to uh, you know to improve the access. So I think it's 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 a big story. Yeah. Because they're currently in the world. Le- I think the world coffee supply is like six point nine um, uh, thousand metric tons of coffee. And China is expected to import, to use half of that in the next 20 years. Wow. So uh, that's definitely a big trend to watch. That's and, true. And I mean, Luckin Coffee, they, they, the, fir- the first week or so when they opened, they, they went down with the rest of the Chinese stocks, but then since then they, they were able to recover and they're currently consolidating near all-time highs. I think that, that pullback here, it's a decent buying opportunity. Like. Uh, Especially if they pull back to twenty and and bounce from there, that's a that's a decent uh, initial entry point. There, it looks like they're reporting earnings in a few weeks, so you want to keep an eye on that, and that might be the catalyst. Maybe they pull back yeah. until that earnings. They get that catalyst. They break out uh, something a, a stock that you definitely want to keep an eye on because because of, of that story. Now, one interesting thing with these guys too, they're mainly focusing on mobile. So they, they have their app, yep. and it's more you're going there to pick up your coffee or you get your coffee delivered. You're not like in Starbucks, like here, where people are going to hang out you know, and use the Wi-Fi and, and, and do work in Starbucks. Th- these guys, the reason they have 2,000 stores is it's mainly Yeah, they're, they're much smaller stores. Yeah. So it's mainly for pickup, yes, exactly. So an interesting idea here. You want to keep this on your radar. The ticker symbol is LK. So let's go to our third stock, and this is 
uh, PAGS, P-A-G-S, PAG Lerulo, and uh, they're the Brazilian payment, uh, PAGS, I said PAG Lerulo, yeah. which, PAG Lerulo, I think, uh, was a, a third baseman of the New York Yankees years <laughs> ago when, when, when I grew up in the 80s. Uh, uh, yeah, PAGS Guru. Uh, yeah, so th- these guys are, have been on a tear, right? They they report. This is actually a great, great example of how earnings season can really uh, change the direction of the stock. Exactly. It's been it was going sideways for a number of quarters. They reported earnings, and they had an earnings gap as a result. And after that, they broke out of a cup with handle, and. They're up currently. They're up thirty-seven percent, and this is after like a good seven-eight percent pullback. Yeah, I mean they never looked back after the earnings gap. They had a couple pullbacks uh, close to their twenty-day EMA, which, which were great. In general, it's a good uh, buying uh, opportunity there for a stock in an uptrend. Uh, for the the past couple days, they're showing some distribution. I mean today they closed below their twenty-day. Yep. Well, I think if they pull back to forty, that that would be a that would be a decent. Uh, which will be also the 50-day moving average. Mm -hmm. Uh, That would be a decent entry point for at least a half a position. And then let's see how the stock will react there. Um, So they offer digital banking for for the Brazilian or for the South American small and mid-sized businesses. Uh, And many of them don't have access to to bank loans, to any type of bank services, and they're they're filling in that niche. I mean, they're not the only company in Brazil that do that. Like the other one, Stone, which is That's right, also backed up by, yep. by Buffett. And they've, they've also done well, mm-hmm. despite the secondary offering. Uh, they continue to show tremendous growth in uh, earnings and in sales. They're very, both of them are uh, profitable companies. Uh, they continue to sign up uh, new merchants. And um, Latin America in general, at least a, a third of the more than a third of the population has never done a, a digital transaction. Yeah. So there is a lot of room for growth. And I think the dips in those two uh, stocks uh, will be buying opportunities. This is an interesting uh, example also, because they've had great earnings and sales for, for a while now. Uh, and they had triple digit earnings and sales for a while. But the last three quarters for the earnings on a quarterly basis, they've been actually decelerating. And even the sales have been decreasing, and yet now this is when the stock goes on its run. And now I'm assuming it's because of the guidance and the fact that now well, all it, South America is starting it's to It's all about too. sentiment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all South American stocks have done really well in the past uh, two or three months. Yep. But it's all about sentiment. Like all of a sudden, the market is willing to pay a lot higher PE multiple for them, and uh, money is chasing momentum. Right, and which is why it's a great example of. You let the chart tell you when to get in and when to get out of the, the stocks. Exactly. Yeah. So pay attention to IPOs. And remember, you always want to keep an eye on this new merchandise. A lot of these new stocks are coming out. They have been companies in the private market for a number of years, and now they're finally coming out and giving an opportunity to participate in their growth. Thanks, Ivan, for being here on the show today. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. That's it for this week on Investing with IBD. Next week, we will have IBD's own Alyssa Corum on the show. And we're going to talk about her biggest investing regrets. And also, we're going to talk about our new show, Investing Strategies, that's going to premiere on August 5th. And the cool thing is she is filming this right at the NASDAQ. So that's it. And I'm Arusha Pierce. And thanks for listening. 
And for this week's Nilton Charts, make sure to go to Investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.